the podcast series Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacey Jafter, and today I'll be chatting with Daniel Isaacs, Chief Financial Officer of Comcorp. Comcorp is a proprietary software company that services the South African financial services industry since 1994. Their focus is on digital onboarding, system integration, and operating industry platforms. Hi, Daniel. How's it going? Hi, Stacey. All, all good um, today, I guess, and you? Good. It's it's really sunny here in Cape Town, so I got some sun. I'm feeling energetic. How about you? Um, yeah, on a normal Joyberg winter's day, it's warmed up a bit now, but pretty much a standard lockdown day, I guess, yeah. How has the last couple of weeks been? Yeah, it's been been different, hey? Very, very mm-hmm. different. Um, a lot of time working, actually. It's like it's strange. It's now we're lucky that we've been busy and able to work from home mm. and that. But I find often like the afternoons just sort of merge into the, the night time, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I need to go make myself some dinner and actually eat and take and live a normal life somehow. Do you feel like time is going quicker? Because that's how I feel. Yeah, um, when I'm doing during the week and working, it does. But mm-hmm. the weekends when you're actually yeah. like trying to take a break. It gets sometimes gets a bit slow, but I've also found sometimes on the weekends when I've taken a break and actually chilled, I've chilled and relaxed a lot better because there's no like pressure or no stress about oh I'm going meeting a friend later or I'm doing this. You actually can switch off properly because you know there's nothing else to do. I found that quite cool. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'd love to hear your story about how you entered the fintech space and eventually became CFO of Comcorp. Um, let's dive in. Went to university. I went to UJ here in Joburg. Then from there, finished my accounts degree, did my articles at EWA. So I was there for three years, which was quite cool. Um, got into some financial service clients, was on the APSA retail banking audit and some of the investic property audits. Also did some work for EWA on the Endeavor project, which was really, really cool. Um, basically, Endeavor is an organization that helps a range of companies like small startups, medium size, I guess, startups, and actually more established companies that are what they say at an inflection point. And they just try to help them scale. And then what we do is we just go through with the entrepreneurs and what we what we did, I should say, is we'd go through the financials with the entrepreneurs and just sort of help them prep for the for the sessions ahead and that it basically ends up the entrepreneurs go through like a dragon's den style interview and we help them prep. We help them prep for that, which was really, really awesome. Got to meet a lot of different entrepreneurs, feed off their energy, which was awesome. And to see a range of companies ranging from different fintech startups to companies that are brew- making iced tea and tea bags. Mm-hmm. So it's really, it was really interesting. And you must have learned so much. Yeah. And also like dealing, learning to deal with different people because you sometimes you'll deal with someone who has a bit of a financial background. And then again, mm-hmm. the next week you're dealing with someone who's just got an idea, they're running with it, they've got some clients and they're just going. By the seat of their pants without too much of a plan. So it's interesting, a range of people. Was there a difference between the two types of people that you'd see become successful and not? Was there any common denominator? So a lot of the time they had been filtered out a bit. So we missed like okay. the guys that you would be like completely no. But 
always I always felt like when I'd speak to the CEO or the entrepreneur who started the company, and if he had could articulate his product as a starting point and articulate where mm. the company was going, um, if he could do that to me just over the phone or just in that first meeting before asking too many questions, then I'd be then I'd almost feel a lot comfortable that this guy's actually done work on the business side as opposed to just getting a product to market. I guess that was the real difference is picking up when they had done research into their business mm. as opposed to just having a cool product. And then I finished at EY. I went to New York for a bit, was on a secondment there for a few months. Um, loved New York. I think it's my favorite city probably. No ways. And, yeah. And then did a, took some time off, um, traveled the West Coast of the States and then went to Mexico for a bit and then came back to South Africa and started, I guess, looking to see where I wanted to go, what I wanted to work in. Was still fixated on New York a bit and just, I guess, looked into that and then really there were, the opportunities in New York didn't really excite me and I knew it was basically just to get an audit role and that, I knew that wasn't for me and not mm -hmm. really. This, I knew I enjoyed being involved with guys on a business side in a smallish place where you can make a difference in the company. So that's basically made a call to start looking here mm -hmm. and then took a while, obviously spoke to the people that I know and saw what was out there. Um, and then funny enough, one day I got a call from one of my friends who basically phoned me and he's like, look, I'm so sorry. I know this is the worst thing ever, but a recruiter phoned me and I just didn't know what to say to them. So I just gave them your <laughs> number. And then five minutes later, after the call, my phone rings and it was this recruiter and I wasn't like particularly keen to go meet with her, but I just went, we had a chat and she sold me this company to go meet the CEO. And she's like, go meet this guy. And they're looking for an FM, they're an IT company. And when someone says to me that can go look and work at an IT company, I first thought, okay, well, they sell computers and hardware. Like it doesn't really sell, you don't really describe a fintech as an IT company or something. So Anyway, I obviously looked into the company and saw that company happened to be Comcorp and was already intrigued by what they do. What they do, And then just went, had a meeting with Paul Moss, the CEO. And then a week later, I met the chairman and then basically just got started with them a month or so later. And yeah, that was January last year. So yeah, that's basically how I got into the space and found Comcorp. So you got a promotion from being a financial manager and then becoming the CFO. And this happened so quickly. What do you think made that promotion happen? Sure. I guess when I started at Comcorp, the account administrator actually was going on maternity leave like a few months into my starting point. So the start was really like getting to grips with the actual basics of the accounts that go up, that goes on because I was having to end up doing my financial manager role and then also her accounts, accounting role, which is like the pastel processing and that. And I guess what happened is I learned the pastel part of the business, which is like the incredibly boring, man, like, you know, no, I don't really enjoy passing journals, obviously, at <laughs> all, actually. Um, but that, in hindsight, was probably the best thing that I could have done because my learning curve as to actually what goes on in the business from a financial side 
was incredibly steep. And mm. as soon as basically I started, I was I got to grips with exactly what was going on. And then when Dora, who's the council administrator, came back, I basically just had an, a lot more free time and started working a lot closer with Paul. And as I guess I worked closer with him, I gained a bit more of his trust. Um, it wasn't particularly like a formal handover or formal saying, here, you CFO now. Um, it sort of, I guess, grew. I grew more into the the role as a pro, as mm-hmm. I became more involved with the business side of the company, and what was quite nice and what's quite and is still going on in the culture of the company is that it's sort of like you free to make decisions and pass your ideas on to whoever is in the room and whoever is having the discussions. So. Like that gave me the confidence to almost get, bring across my views and my ideas to Paul. And I guess with that, I was able to get in, more involved in the business side of things and not just the financials of the company. And I, so that's more where I developed into the CFO role as opposed to any any other reason. And I guess the trust part was quite a big thing of it as well. So the learning curve wasn't so steep just because you gradually rolled into the the position no um it sort of developed as it went mm-hmm. along like I found I was often like I'd go and speak to guys and I'd be feeling like I was doing a combination of like a financial manager slash account administrator and then a week later doing CFO role work if you know if that mm-hmm. makes sense so it sort of just grew into where my focus started moving into and once I was able to help and get our accounting and financial processes running smoothly, it freed me up into more of a CFO role, I guess. That's such an awesome story, going from financial manager to CFO. So I think the lesson learned there is just to to, to take on more responsibility or, or ask for more responsibility and through that, have the team see what you can take on and, and how well you do um, do the work. Yeah, 100%. If you're able to have the confidence to firstly, as a starting point, ask for more work. I think guys really look on that in a positive way and then being able to apply yourself to the work that you're given and make make it your own is important. Historically, all of Comcorp's products have been B2B and recently you're in the midst of launching a B2C product. How have you needed to change your marketing strategy? What lessons were learned? How different was the process? Yeah, it's a handful of questions. Yeah, just so it's a lot. It's a lot at once. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're right in saying Comcorp. We've been B two B historically, but the world of fintech and the and the, especially the software side of um, banks and everything is becoming more consumer facing. So we one of the sides like our digital RD product is more B two B to C, but at the end of the day, with that end consumer um, part of it, you actually need to, we needed to focus more on marketing Comcorp as a company more, as opposed to just having word of mouth with our bank banking connections. So that's a tough change to start going from not marketing yourself to really putting yourself out there. Definitely. Um, Paul, Paul loves telling us stories about how in the past, he would always present the budget and the forecast for the year ahead, and he would very proudly tell everyone how the 
marketing and advertising cost is going to be zero for the year ahead. Insane. So yeah, so I guess it's your client experience and the user user experience is so important now. And if the client doesn't want to and the end consumer doesn't want to use your product, no matter how good your tech is, no one's going to want it. So that's been a major change. So where did you guys learn different marketing strategies going from spending zero to now having to open up a budget? We sort of, uh, it's been quite slow. It's like literally like started redoing our our website and then just getting external companies to come in and almost pitch like a plan for us. And then mm. we're moving slowly with that. It's also, we're not the sort of company to go and say, and it's not really our style to go and say, make a big show about what we're doing before we know that our product's amazing. So we're still in the process of really developing and making sure our product is as at the level we want it to be before we go all, all guns blazing on the marketing side. But we need to start, we're sort of in that market planning stage and identifying where we want to fit in. And yeah, so up to now, the apart from the marketing strategy, thought process our actual dev team and developers that we've had to have we've had to grow our team quite a bit because the b2b space we're just maintaining and doing production issues but now we needed to do that while also building new products so that was also a small change that we had to go through that also then helps you focus on your company culture because you need to hire the right people that fit the sort of brand that you want to build before we go any further, can you give a quick elevator pitch on Comcorp? I think that'll be really useful. We're going to help any bank or credit um, provider with the, a full digital onboarding solution, whether it's um, identifying your customer and pulling the correct documents, um, reducing your fraud risk, and just enhancing your internal procedures to reduce the cost of onboarding new customers. Does that have a lot of integration with open banking? Yeah, so... It's quite, it's the whole idea and movement of open banking is quite strongly linked to what we, what we doing and where we see ourselves going. Um, open banking movement's so big, we just need to also find where we fit into it. Can you give a quick overview on what exactly open banking is for a few listeners out there? I know when I, when I entered the, the fintech space, people were just throwing around terms like APIs and open banking, and initially I had no idea what it was. So can you give a quick, a quick summary? Yeah, um, so basically open banking is just about banks sharing financial information with each other, and then also third-party providers like any, any credit um, provider so even like a Woolworths providing you credit on your credit Woolworths credit card they would be a third-party provider and the whole idea is to share your financial information in a simple and secure way that actually puts the consumers back in control of your financial data to and then further to that if you're in control of your financial data it helps you understand it and manage your money in a better way. You just mentioned being in control of your data. I've read quite a few studies suggesting that consumers are, are worried about the information getting into the wrong hands due to open banking. Who do you think needs to be driving open banking and how do we get consumers to see the benefits of this as this definitely benefits them immensely? It's going to start off with credit providers and fintechs who are going to benefit the most from that um, in terms of 
them being able to plug into banks and other like investment houses to get your full financial picture before they give lend you credit. Um, so they can, so it's like fintechs and other startup lenders are going to be the ones at the starting point pushing for it. But the banks are also going to then benefit because now they can actually provide credits like home loans on a full picture of where your of what your financial situation really is, which I think gotcha. is is huge. And then in terms of when you said like consumers might be a bit against and worried uh, worried about it, it's a similar thing to how like um, touchless card payments started, and then even Zapper, like paying with Zapper on your phone. You're always a bit hesitant on it first, but now it's like the best thing in the world. Like go and tap your card or pay Zapper. It becomes part of your life. The right message needs to be portrayed, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And if you have a system on the open banking front where a consumer can be involved in open banking but feel like they are actually in control, like that there is facial recognition for them to mm -hmm. give someone permission and consent to use their data, I think that's a starting point and that's where probably a big step and what a lot of the legislation overseas is focused on is consent. Being the CFO, you obviously deal with a lot of financial plans. If a listener is a business owner or is starting their own business for the first time, what advice do you have for them regarding a, fin a financial plan? It's a tough time to start a business now <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> as a starting point. But also at the same time, if you as a company and your business can get through this time and you're able to survive, firstly, for the next 12 months, I think you're doing an amazing job. Um, if you come, will come out of this recession or the COVID period, um, if you're able to have spent this time thinking about where you want to be in eight or 10 months and actually put the procedures in place to get there, that's a, going to put you in a huge step ahead of your competitors. And I think just on a business plan side and a for and a actual survival side it's it's a good time to go through your whole business and your financial plan as to look at what costs you have that you actually don't need um, are there some fixed and variable costs and then likewise on your income on your revenue side can you renegotiate your contracts going forward to maybe be less less exposed to variable movements in the economy so if you can get a portion of your income fixed every month that gives you a bit of security as to what you can definitely spend the following month the term cash is king has been used over and over again during this pandemic though people aren't really giving concrete tips um, do you have any others that could that could help obtain more cash or save cash during this time that's a tough question to answer when <laughs> when guys don't have sales in revenue coming in. Definitely. Yeah, so the most, I guess, as you pointed out, the most important thing for companies now is to actually have cash that you can pay who you pay your staff. And without your staff, your company probably won't survive. But I think if you're able to relook at your company and look at what you were doing before and what's actually working, let's say you are able to work now. Um, com you can compare how you're working now to how you're working two, three months ago. And 
I think a go-to one is always going to be office space. How much office space do you really need? Um, can you help your staff to set themselves up at home that you only need a lot smaller space and reduce your rental costs that way? And I think just through that, with giving guys the flexibility to work from home, your internal costs just as a whole will go down. Um, like like small printing and stationary things will go mm -hmm. down without even noticing it. Guys are going to be using soft copy stuff a lot more. So that are all small things that end up adding up to your saving your cash and getting onto a more stable footing. Well, thanks so much, Daniel. I loved having you on the podcast. Where can listeners find you on social media and what's your handle? I'm pretty good. I do see all of the messages that I get from LinkedIn, on LinkedIn. So all one per the one person that messages me once a week there. <laughs> so is this you encouraging people to reach out or what? Yeah, no, feel free to reach out. Love it. Perfect. Well, thanks again. Happy to chat. Thank you for listening to Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent or you yourself are looking for a new exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.